like a lot of people are to the point where they're trying to play it safe a little bit. The haves and the have nots is what I see too. Not, not everyone is losing money or has lost money. There is quite a bit more market pessimism among owner-operators and Overdrive's audience than optimism, that's sure, at the start of this new year here. Welcome to 2024, I suppose. I'm Todd Dills, your Overdrive radio host for this one, featuring the voice of longtime former owner-operator Gary Books, with what amounts to a series of potential New Year's resolutions for you looking at the year ahead. Whether you're among the rough quarter of recent poll respondents who think the year is going to be worse than the tough one we just ended, or if you're one of just 16% who are optimistic for improvement. The plurality of voters in that business conditions polling, by contrast, expected more of the same. Depending on whether you're in one or the other of those categories you heard Gary Bucks delineate up top, the haves and the have-nots. It could be the difference between optimism or pessimism, but in any case, the new year offers opportunity to reassess, and I can think of no better individual out there to guide us through some thoughts and ideas than books, who urged first and foremost an awareness of your own psychology, as it were, particularly when it comes to unusually dire or otherwise rosy prognostications, hammering away at the brain day in and day out. Are our feelings in touch with reality of the market? Are or our feelings interfering with our ability to consider new markets? That's part of what I see, uh, the fear to change. Talking to our finalists in the Trucker of the Year competition this week yielded something of a theme of resignation, of banking on a slower year, among some indeed, but also some bright spots in new customers, or rather use of tactics similar to what Bucks recommends on the customer engagement front in this podcast, learning to really sell oneself in every interaction you have. Doing that yielded a new contract uh, for one of our Trucker of the Year finalists that should cover the operation through much of this year's first half and avoid reliance for that half year on spot freight. There's little indication we'll see much improvement in demand in Trucker's favor there anytime soon. So for the owner-operator's New Year's resolutions this year, Books, it's back to basics in his work coaching a variety of business owners to better performance. Do your record keeping. <laughs> if you don't do your record keeping and it doesn't have to be fancy, how are you going to know what it cost you first? Change your mindset from thinking revenue to cost first. Cost first, revenue second. Um, you got more control on, of costs. Yeah, you've got more control. But the other thing is, if you think revenue first, you've boxed yourself in. So if you ask someone how much is something worth, like that game, sh- the game show, what the price is right, you know, and they're guessing the prices and and that they're out to win the game. You know, it's it's an auction, is what it is. But as a business owner, you've got more control over costs, not. You, you can control the accepted rate, but think cost first, get your record system, keep it simple. Be aware of deductions on your settlements if you're a contractor. And if you're an independent, be aware of what is in that contract and what is missing. In other words, is detention clearly defined? 
and when it'll be paid. A lot of complaints about arriving at the wrong time at the warehouse and then being back charged. Yep. You know, know know those details, have them in writing, and make sure they're acceptable for you rather than let the revenue override good sense. Overcommitment is one of the things that happens when we're in a market like this because people feel the uh, cash flow issues. So we overcommit mm-hmm. and well, I can get one more in. I can, you know, planning to reload right away uh, after you make a delivery, unless you have a very good history of those two customers. I'd be very careful uh, with that. Get a better handle on how to manage the hours of service so that you're not giving away time unnecessarily. Lost opportunity time is what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. You know, the the seven and three, the eight and two splits are they're complicated. The math can be feel complicated, but there are some tools out there. Since the 2020 change in the hours of service, the split sleeper is indeed more valuable as a tool, as long as you know how to use it. Find a link in the show notes wherever you're listening to Overdrive's own rundown of just how to understand new flexibilities there, particularly the ability of the shorter off-duty period in the split pair to stop that 14-hour clock. You, you may want to look at um, planning, you know, for you know your loads a little bit backwards. In other words, you know you have to be home Friday afternoon or Saturday morning. You're leaving on Monday. Start working your load planning from both ends rather than always, you know, looking at, well, what's my next load? What's my next load? If that improves efficiency, I found quite a bit. And economic efficiency for an owner operator is one of the most important things. It's the overall efficiency, use of time and equipment. Don't ignore the maintenance, uh, the predictable maintenance. That's the thing. it's not just preventative you know we know alternators won't last forever or starters or batteries and belts and and uh, so on and so forth you know hoses bill ader uh sent me a picture he had a, a hose with a crack in it he was inspecting before he left home and he says boy if i wouldn't have seen that that could have been a thousand dollar plus bill on the side of the road you know to blow out your uh, coolant and, uh, and I've had that happen. It is a thousand dollars. And it might be higher today. Biggest reason perennially that owner operators fail. You got it. Big maintenance failures. On the other side of a break, we'll hear much more on that front, but also insight into Gary books, read of the market and just where to find the money in it to make your own business more valuable to the customer and more keep tuned. Are freezing temps putting the brakes on your diesel engine? For unbeatable protection against diesel fuel gelling, trust the experts at House Products. Stock up on House Diesel Treat, the nation's most trusted anti-gel, and to be safe from the harshest winter conditions, make sure you have House Diesel Lifeline on hand. The fastest acting gelling rescue product. Available nationwide, House Products are designed to keep you rolling through the toughest conditions. House, tested, trusted, guaranteed. Visit houseproducts.com. That's H-O-W-E-S, houseproducts.com. To get us rolling, Gary's answer to the question of, well, just where can owner-operators find the money in today's market? Here's Gary. You know, one of the things that I 
learned after many years is I kind of identified that there's three types of freight that have value. Um, what, what gives freight value is, in my experience, is the value of the commodity in the trailer. Uh, you know, do you have a half a million dollars worth of freight in the trailer? Uh, or do you have a load that is a raw commodity that has, you know, $10,000 worth of value? And uh, so that really affects what you're gonna be able to, you know, charge for revenue. The, the other one is the time factor with expedite or the the need to quickly fill a need uh, for a customer. There's value there. And then the security because of the type of commodity with hazardous material or sensitive materials where you have to have team operations and so on. Those, um, those are kind of three primary areas of value and so the you know you hear the truckers use the term i found my niche market you know and to find that niche it's not always easy first off and it takes a lot of patience to personal patience to work yourself in or to sell your services to one of those niche customers mm -hmm. Because, and I think patience is one of the things that a lot of truckers struggle with because of the overwhelming uh, pressure of financial uh, investment they've made or um, lack of, of cash on hand. Uh, that's a big problem. And as this market's gone on, that, that bleeding of cash that has occurred uh, Mostly, uh, the owners I see that are struggling with the, the bleeding part is because of a breakdown and uh, repair and so on. It's um, it's not been uh, fuel. It's not been uh, uh, even lack of loads. Uh, fewer loads has not been quite as much the issue as much as the breakdown. Uh, just received a, a shop. Uh, an estimate from from a uh, client that I coached uh, for a, a repair, and it's like nothing you would normally think major, but we're looking at twelve thousand dollar bill, and that's pretty common these days. So if you think about that, that's an extra thousand dollars a month. I try to I try to present things to owners where. Uh, if you if you take your money and you break it down into to time factors, well, here's an example. Someone said the other day or asked about a one box. The single unit after treatment system in many Freightliner trucks, he means, called a one box because it houses both the diesel particulate filter and much of the selective catalytic reduction system that is in virtually all post 2010 trucks. You know, if you take the price of a one box, maybe it's 15,000 for that. And you divide it by the half a million or 600,000 miles difference. You're talking about 2.5, 2.8 cents a mile for the life of that. It's a predictable thing, but managing that. Because of the truck maintenance issues, I'm actually seeing um, good, steady um, business outcomes where uh, owners who are leased with 
contract independent contractors who are with Mm -hmm. companies that have more direct freight that are using the walkaway lease basically like a truck rental um and the reason they're being successful i think the reason they're successful is they may look like they're paying more up front but their cost in the end is at or less than many of the operators who are um, even trying to purchase a truck right. if, because maintenance if, is out of their hands like the maintenance is taken care of in the, in right. the contract yeah they're, they're prepaying the maintenance is what it, it kind of comes down to and yeah. yeah and the the plus the big plus side is that if their truck is going to go in the shop for any amount of time they can get another truck not have to make payments on a truck sitting in the shop so they can keep working if they choose to and so that business model has shifted from a few years ago i think and it's due to the time and the cost of repairs if your plan is to trade trucks every three or four years, like many do, mm-hmm. the walkaway lease may actually be better cost-wise for you, uh, potentially. Everyone's different, but I don't want to get too far off the market thing here. One of the things I think about the market, what we're seeing is the prediction of a better market just is like a can in the industry influencers just keep kicking that can down the road and unfortunately what i see a little bit of because of social media pressure and media pressure is to keep kicking the can so that one day they feel like they can go on to their broadcast or their whatever they're doing and say hey look i was right you know <laughs> but they predicted they predicted where that can would land you know, every month for 10 months. And so, uh, and finally they got, they got one, right. Yeah. Finally we got, you know, so when I think about the market turning in as far as volume pricing and so on, I ask more, why will the market turn? You know, why will we see an overall uplifting of, of rates? In other words, is the tide going to rise and lift the ship, you know, for everyone? My thoughts are I've never seen everyone be lifted. We're always going to have failures. We have the have and the have nots. We've got people, I'm looking at records of owners, single truck owners that are, you know, clearing over $100,000 in profit after all expenses and deductions. And then we have the ones who you know are basically hoping to get money to buy fuel almost it seems but what's the difference it's wide and it's varied a lot of its timing a lot of its luck uh, a lot of it is um, you know the ability to have extra resources not so much savings are one thing but having other sources of income you know having a spouse or significant other that has income to cover home expenses that is huge um the the home benefits and and income that's provided by another that really frees up people 
Now the problem is, does it free up owners who are struggling in a way that they will reverse bid prices down just to stay trucking? That's where we get in trouble in the market. A few years ago, I wrote about, and there's, I don't remember the exact headline on the uh, blog article we did about how the right of refusal is our best negotiating tool. That title was, quote, the owner-operator's number one freight negotiations tool, right of refusal. Published April 27th, 2020, as the bottom fell out during the early COVID lockdowns. There's more to it than just, no, I won't move for that rate, though. But we have to learn how to use that properly. More and more work on negotiating skills is, is one of the major things that I think um, owners could benefit by investing in the help to learn how to negotiate better. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with just recognizing, um, I don't know, recognizing when uh, when you have leverage. Like I think about, this doesn't have anything to do with freight uh, at, at all, but the story you wrote recently about Matthew uh, Mickenberg and, and his... You know, his shift early last year um, from uh, basically a short he had planned to trade the trade his truck and um, and he you know he looked at when he was looking around at the, the price of a new truck early in the year um, you know just didn't see how he could make it work you know interest rates had gone up um, so his borrowing cost would be pretty high um, and, the, and just the, the overall price of the truck was huge. And then you know, he just by, uh, but by, uh, by shifting that, uh, uh, that strategy and putting off, um, the decision, well, he didn't put off the decision. He made a decision to, to stick with what he had in terms of his truck. But, uh, uh fast forward, uh, six, eight months, the landscape had changed such that, um, that he was able to, to get the the price he wanted, and so he actually did make the move, and uh, he negotiated the uh, the long term uh, pretty effectively. Uh, uh, just just having having waited for um, overall conditions in that uh, in the truck market to turn in his favor, uh, I think a lot I think uh, a lot has changed just over the last year in that arena, at least uh, when it comes to uh, equipment purchases. Um, uh, as you alluded to i think maintenance is still really high in terms of um just the the, the cost of, of of getting work done uh, if you're not doing it yourself and then just the cost of parts and what have you but um but some things uh have have uh, have improved and uh i mean i think i think that's what that example shows is that uh th there are there are some bright spots here in some areas of the business if not uh if not in freight Freight markets necessarily, not in all of them, for sure. And how do you recognize? Um, how do you recognize that you have negotiating leverage in uh, when it comes to freight? I think it begins with the whole approach to negotiating, or when you contact someone or a customer for um, a a rate contract. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm learning, I'm always learning. Uh, you know, after years and years in in business is I've, I've really kind of tried to f focus in a little bit more on defining things. In other words, you know, defining what is negotiating, what is the rate, you know, the cost, you know, defining what is that. 
defining what is it you need to do that day. One of the trends I'm picking up in the business is this, especially with all the social media. And the reason I bring that up is it's good and it's and it's not so good. <laughs> I don't want to say it's bad because I think all information is good, but it's speeding up people's reactions rather than planned actions. So when our influencers talk about, well, you need to, you know, have a business plan. So we say we have a business plan, but do we have a business plan? And if you are one of the owners that writes a business plan for this year, and I'm going to put it this way, odds are you have a plan in your head. But that business plan, think about it when you watch, if you watch professional sports and you watch whether it's baseball, soccer, football, whatever, and they talk about game plans, they're constantly changing. They've got, when they start a game, they got two dozen game plans. And depending on what the move by the competition is, they've got their move planned out. So when you're thinking about, talk to a customer about, uh, negotiating a rate and let's define a customer a customer can be the broker it can be the direct customer it could be the shipper it could be the receiver it, you know it could be a, another third party in between again it could be the and, carrier you're leased to yeah the carrier we're, we're leased to and knowing the rules of the game but also knowing who has the power to negotiate that's part of it and that's not always so easy to find out. So going forward in this year, those who um, take the time to, you don't have to write a big elaborate plan, but make yourself a few bullet points. So when you, you start thinking about your business plans, it's easy to talk about goals, but make them realistic, for example. I've been trying to think about what, what focus should I be uh, thinking about this year? And I've come up with... Um, getting back to basics because it seems like we have moved so fast and we've gone from it's so easy to get a, a truck it's it's if you can sign your name you can get a truck they're going to take a risk on you and and unfortunately if you don't have the some cash to back it up or a plan to back it up it can be a very short-lived experience as we've We've mentioned in other interviews and things, but getting back to basics this year, bearing, you know, really drilling down on being more frugal, being that predictable maintenance. One of the owners I have contact with wrote a message that their starter went out and they're on a high value, they haul high value stuff. So he hasn't shut his truck off for a week because he's <laughs> afraid it won't start and he's getting ready to start a tour. So now he's going to have to replace the, the starter. And, and if I remember right, if you're an owner and you start getting into these situations, uh, predictable maintenance, as I call them a little bit, there's right and wrong ways to, to help yourself there. For example, you know, proper testing of the starter. Maybe it's not the starter. Maybe it's a ground cable. I've seen that happen. But if you replace a starter, it's not just a starter. You may need to replace all the cables all the way back, new batteries. If you're in a situation, these are predictable things, just like the market can be predictable. 
So I wrote a note to my network group just yesterday, I think it was. That's the quote, Truck Business Network Group on Facebook. And I, and I try to encourage this. Pull out your records if you're an owner and look back, if you can look back even more than one year, who are your customers and what were you hauling for the first quarter of this year and even going into the second quarter? What, what commodities that had more value did you haul in the spring? What's, what is in demand? We got agricultural products, we got chemicals, we got fertilizer, we've got uh, horticulture things needed for the home centers. We've got, you know, the plants and and all those supplies. We've got new construction beginning uh, here very soon. You don't want to wait until the market has moved into those areas and start. If they start shipping the plants. And you now think you're going to call and get the the best deal to haul them? You're too late. You have to start contacting these customers, you know, a month or two ahead of time, and whether it's and work yourself pre-plan that that account you want to work. That makes a lot of sense for you know for uh, somebody who long term wants to take things to the next lo- next level. Look back at last year, the year before. Look, look at uh, seasonal patterns that that you've experienced. If if you're somebody that's working through brokers, what what have you hauled that 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 engendered a good rate at that particular time of year? And then uh, next year comes around. We're in this new year now. Uh, be proactive. Um, be in touch with those uh, those customers. Whether you continue to work with a broker or you've identified. Uh, uh, shippers with with these products uh, that that potentially you could feel a need for, uh, get in touch with them now uh, before uh, say you know the the product is in demand uh, coming here in March. I was speaking with Gary Bucks Wednesday this week. The following day, I had a conversation with one among our three Trucker of the Year finalists in Veterans Transportation Services Independent, John Schultz who's had an off-and-on customer in a seed company nearby to his home base in Wisconsin for six to seven years. When I run out to Wyoming this past fall for a different customer, he found himself near a farm he delivered to for that direct seed customer in past, and took the opportunity to get in touch with his contact there. Ultimately, that simple conversation led to a discussion about the company's transport needs during the coming year's planting season. And owner-operator Schultz and his business partner and significant other, Sarah, now have their two trucks committed to the operation only seed outbound and empty reusable totes back. The business will well fulfill something of a goal of his at least for this year, getting away from spot market RGN work that has been so hit and miss when it comes to rates this past year. The seed work should take him all the way through the first half of the year and then it's back on to the vegetable harvest he's worked for several years now in the Midwest to close out 2024. It's a fine example of taking control, planning, and recognizing where demand is likely to be and where your past relationships can be brought to bear for success, getting away from the fickle spot market. Plenty of brokers are clearly willing to go there in pursuit of cut-rate work in a time like the present, yet others, Gary emphasized, have more dedicated opportunities, and your own pre-planning could prove attractive and plenty valuable to both them and to you. Brokers with good customers, one of the things they don't like to do is wait till the last minute uh, to have it fun. And I would book a lot of the best paying freight a month out or more. I would ask the broker, 
when do you get the orders? And they would tell me, I get the order two weeks, uh, Tuesday, two weeks before they, they start shipping. Every every week I get, every Tuesday I get two weeks out or I get three weeks out or whatever. They wouldn't post the loads often until it got closer to shipping time. But I would call them, you know, Tuesday at noon and say, what's on, you know, what do you have available? And they knew our routine. And I would say, just give me the, how many stops? I would did multiple stops that paid well. I'd say, how many stops? Where does it finish? And what's the gross dollar? And I had done it enough that I could do the calculations for the profitability of that load, not base it wholly on gross dollars. Whatever formula works for you, start using a formula and then start making minor adjustments. Uh, Be very consistent so you measure what you're doing consistently. Now, first quarter, we're already in the first quarter. So even start looking to go into the second quarter. I was sitting having uh, coffee with uh, this farm family from Iowa that has trucking. And uh, we were talking about the market a little bit. And he goes, well, it's going to be a lot better year than I think most people believe because it's an election year. Politicians know that people vote with their pocketbooks. And I'm kind of thinking there's a chance we'll see some stimulus or something beginning uh, the second half of the year that will kind of try to, you know, nudge people into a better mood than their personal bank accounts uh, feel a little more flush. And that could um, that could create some consumer demand for certain items and and boost yeah. uh, need for capacity. But I, I until it happens, I wouldn't bank on it. Similar thoughts about election year potential for stimulus could be behind many of the freight forecasters look at 2024 and the prediction that nothing fundamental is likely to change about freight demand this year before the last quarter. I think we're suffering from the overheating of the market. Yeah. You know, we're we're in the, we're still in the hangover phase. The hangover, yeah. A lot of newer owners, it almost feels a little bit like they're they look at a truck like it's a lottery ticket. They're, they've been sold this idea that if they get a truck, there's going to be a lot of gross dollars and so on. Last year, the gross dollars didn't even appear, it seems, uh, in, in many ways. For a lot of them, the, the rosy promises may have been true there for a little while. Yes. And, uh, and now it's uh, we're back to the real world. Um, yeah. It's that New Year's resolution of a fashion Bucks makes for owners. Back to basics. Take full control of what you can control. People complain about the the percentage that a broker might keep or or whatever, but then we turn around and, and make moves where we tend to give away some of our money if we're an independent or a contractor where we hire a dispatch service, which is like a broker. We're, we're handing as much as 10% more away to someone else. And that can add up to, you know, it could be a thousand dollars a month pretty easy. And yep. and if you take if you're an owner and you take the time that if you if you paid yourself for that time, that thousand dollars and did your own dispatching, you'd probably do a better job actually. I, I do believe that. Uh, it may take a little to learn that. But you're keeping that money in-house. You're paying yourself. Um, 
and then we factor you know a lot of newer owners uh, because of cash flow then they factor so um are we how many are giving away you know 15 to 20 percent of their revenue potentially through just those two services uh after they've uh got the contract and so that's an area that i think i would encourage owners to investigate know where your money's going it's more than miles um as an owner i see miles as the enemy not the revenue because when you draw it miles are a variable cost that you pay for every one of them and so more miles unless it pays more does not necessarily uh equate to better profitability it makes me think the, uh gary of, uh, of your uh, parasitic uh, costs uh, what was it 15 ways to to save i believe it was and, I don't think uh, miles, a reduction in miles was one of those uh, ways to save, but uh, if you sort of change your thinking around uh, miles, it, it, you could think of it that way. The more miles you run, the more money you're going to spend. Yeah, the goal should be uh, the, the largest dollar amount on the fewest number of miles. Think about the operator who hauls uh, the super oversized loads, for example. Mm. I mean, I've talked to them. There's some of those gentlemen that I, I met one it's been oh gosh close to 20 years ago uh he did about six million dollars a year and he hauled about 10 or 12 loads and i mean we're talking about loads that paid a couple million dollars to move now there's very few people that do that but his equipment cost him close to two million dollars <laughs> and I'm sure he's running out there with he's got a lot he's got a lot of people he's got to pay uh, yes uh, to, it, to move that stuff yeah he told me about a load he moves uh, he would move from California to Florida it would take him three months or more yeah. to move that load for example so it's not the miles it's the value of the service again that we talked about uh, yeah. you know the different types of value so how do you make yourself more valuable First of all, your customer needs to know who you are. Do your customers know you? If you are the truck owner, do you walk into your customer, hand them a business card? Does it say on your card that you are the owner? That makes a difference uh, on how you'll be treated, how your time will be treated. I find it's it may not be as outward uh, as you might expect, but subliminally, they will generally treat you better and get you out the door faster if they know you are the owner. Right. Never say, you want to help your self-efficiency? Never say to a customer, hey, can you hurry up? I have another pickup. Right. The odds are they'll slow down. You never say that. Uh, that's one of the worst things you can do for uh, customer relations and things like that. Regular listeners may well recognize that advice from our Partners in Business program roundtable with Red Eye Radio's Eric Harley last year. It also featured Gary and ATBS Vice President Mike Hosted, and it was recorded at the Mid-America Trucking Show. It showed up a little bit in our last podcast, too, recapping those most listened to episodes to lead us into this new year. I'm kind of big on um, not not professionally studied psychology or whatever, but I'm... Yeah. 
I learned a long time ago, like our personality profiles and such. And I've gotten to talk again, talking to owners about, you know, in particular, are you an extrovert who is comfortable going out and talking to people or an introvert? And almost every owner I talk to is like, oh, I hate talking to people. I'm an introvert all the way. That is a real barrier, unfortunately, for developing these customer relationships. So finding ways to boost your confidence going in, um, we're having that that business card may be the bridge you need if you're more of a shy person and not comfortable meeting new people. Having that business card uh, may be the bridge to you breaking the ice. Right. Rather than you saying anything. Um, but if you hold that business card in your hand, it may give you the confidence to just hand that and say, hey, I'm the truck owner. If you need something, yep. give me a shout. If I can't help you, I will put you in touch with someone who can help you. That's the other thing. Don't just stop with it's all about me. Make it about the customer and uh that can leave a big impression as far as you know them solving a problem and again to hark back to a previous podcast featuring parts of kevin and rutherford's talk at the national association of small trucking companies conference last fall the secret to success in business simple serve your customer better than anyone else can fundamentally it comes back to that and and so it's those it's those thousand points of light those little things that we may never know about that make a difference here's another thought for people when they go into a customer especially a higher value one just make mention of hey i i uh, had a good i inspected my equipment this morning and uh, everything's working good and i had my truck washed we're ready to go something real simple you might be surprised at the positive reaction that you get from that it sounds like small talk but but yeah you're basically you're you're finding a way to illustrate that you know you're you know you're you're doing the work i guess and you've got confidence if you get stopped for an inspection you know you could you could even like if you get stopped for an inspection how much more confident would you be and how much would you help the officer have a better view if you open the conversation with boy i'm glad i got my truck washed last night you know it's nice and clean under there or something simple like that you know that's going to tell that officer you care about your equipment take care of it odds are you don't want him to overlook something because that's a safety hazard for yourself and it actually will help you in the long run but it sets up a more positive uh, mindset yeah, and for and for the co- customer you're telling that to it's it's like okay yeah so and i'm gonna i'm gonna wait for the results but uh, you know i'm feeling good about the, the possibility that uh, this freight is actually going to get there on time but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly sure yeah you know so those it's it's that basics it's that thousand points of light however you want to word it to yourself how do you remember to do these things put a sticky note up in the corner of your left hand corner of your windshield and put three priorities on it, you know, to remind yourself before you get out of the cab. And uh, you got to sell yourself first. And as owner operator John Schultz's example with that seed customer shows, 
keep doing so throughout the relationship and one day, maybe you break through the dam to help the customer find where the two of you can work together for long-term, stable business. Here's hoping for a breakthrough for you. Plenty to chew on in any case. Big thanks to Gary Bucks for his time on this one. I post links to all the previous stories and podcasts mentioned throughout the talk. Split sleeper tutorial, rider refusal, Matt Mickenberg's truck purchase negotiation, parasitic costs and ways to save, podcast featuring Rutherford, Red Eye Radio Roundtable. Find them all in the show notes or in the post that will house this Overdrive Radio edition by Monday, January 8th, 2024 at overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio. Here's a big thanks for listening. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of trucker songwriter Long Haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis, the snake man himself, Wemmick. Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tisha Mingo, Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, executive editor Alex Lockie, and video editors Lawson Rudisel and Andrew Gwynn. We'll see you next time.